I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. And while you're doing that, in May of 2011, in Texarkana Gazette, there's an article that was published about the King James Bible celebrated its 400th year. And it's still the number one bestseller in the world. Hmm? Still, we're talking about the King James. It's still the number one bestseller Bible in the world. It took 47 scholars, Greek and Hebrew, seven years to translate the Hebrew into English and also the Greek into English. And it's still the number one bestseller in the world. There's a lot of other translations out there, but none of them surpasses the King James Version. Oh, thank God. I tell you, we got a lot of things changes, but the Word of God don't change. They say, well, you need a Bible you can understand. You need the Holy Ghost to understand the Bible. There's no author of the Bible can write it where you can understand it without the Spirit of God. When Jesus talked to the two men on the road, Emmaus, their hearts were saddened, and the Bible said he opened their mind to the Scripture. And the Bible said, and their heart burned within them when he opened the Scriptures unto them. So God bless you for being here today. We're going to title this this morning, Always Success with God. With God is with you, you will never fail. I like what Sister Richardson said this morning in the Sunday school class. We're paying too much attention to this natural life. We're just passing through. Huh? Oh, don't get too settled here. You're just a passing through. Amen. Just like a breath of air. You're just passing through. And you've got a greater reward on the other side than what anything can offer down here in this life. Okay, let's read Nehemiah 1, 10 and 11. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thy ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the, prayer of thy, to the prayers of thy servant who desire to fear the name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. I mean, you know that God gives every Christian assignment. Everybody has an assignment. Jonah ran from his assignment. We're to run with the assignment and not from the assignment. And God will position you, and, and we're going to get to that here in a minute about Nehemiah. He'll position you in certain positions you may not understand in your assignment. That doesn't mean you're always going to be there. He may change that assignment. 
When I went, first went to work for the highway department, a lot of it, Peggy and I have talked about this a lot of time, I went to work in the engineering department. I worked there a little while, and one morning I went to work, and, and the air engineer said, you've not been transferred this morning. You'll go to the district lab. You no longer will be here. I didn't ask to be. I just went over there. I stayed there a year or so when it, when it first started building I-30 and I-20. And uh, one morning, the guy in the district lab called me in his office and said, Bill, I've been going through your personnel file, and I look at your background. We're using the service and this and that. And, and the air-conditioned refrigeration school said, I've already made arrangement. You will go in the morning to another section and work. What I'm trying to say, don't be comfortable really where you are dissatisfied. God has assignment for your life, and he may move you around until you get there, but he'll never forsake you. I don't care how bad things in this world gets, God will never forsake you. He's with you always, even to the end of the earth, even when you don't understand it. And uh, then when I was in the Navy, I won't go through that, all that, but they did send me to what they call damage control school. And uh, our job was to be sure that everybody got off the ship if it was fixing the sink. We'd be the last ones off. We'd make sure everybody that was alive had a life jacket or could get in a lifeboat. That was our assignment. God has given Nehemiah an assignment. He's the cupbearer. He's a good-looking guy. Nice looking. You had to be that way. You find that in the book of Daniel. And you had to be intelligent to be a cupbearer. So God had given him, and God had positioned him to that position. But Sister Pam, he, God is just about to move him. And I tell you, where he's fixing to move him, it doesn't look all that pleasant. And sometimes God moves you and I to position that doesn't look all that pleasant. I started teaching Sunday school class in a hall in the church, just in the hall, two people when I was about 22. And I taught class until we went to pastoring. That was in 79. Then I've been teaching up until just a few years ago, and Brother Ken took over the class. What I'm saying that God has an assignment for your life. And you may not, the flesh may not feel comfortable where God has you right now, but I want you to just settle down and wait on the Lord. Nehemiah starts out ten times you find in the book of Nehemiah where he prays and he fasts. He had to pray and fast before he ever went before the king. He had to get permission to go before the king. We do not have to get permission to go before King Jesus. Hebrews 4 said we can bold boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. When you can do it anywhere you want to. You can go to the throne of grace immediately because that's what he is for us. In the book of Hebrews, we find also this. Nehemiah had known all of his life the city of his father was in ruins because the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem walls, gates, and temple in 586 B.C., 2 Kings 25, 1-21. And for many years, a group of 50,000 Jews 
returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the city. Since the Gentiles offered so much opposition, their work, however, the temple was not completed for 20 years. You find that in Ezra, in the book of Ezra. Ezra and the book of Nehemiah pretty well goes together. They're probably twins. They pretty well have to go together. So that's where we find the gates and the walls never were repaired. And Nehemiah had hope that the work of the walls had begun again, that the city would be now returned. And you'll find in Psalm 48, 79, and 84, and 87, how much the Jews loved Israel. And one of the ways we can tell we're in the end time because the Jews are going home from all the countries around the world. They're going home. I saw something the other day about trying to get all these people of Americans out of Afghanistan. They interviewed this guy has made, I believe, three tours to Afghanistan during the wartime. He's out of the service now. He said, I'm volunteering to go back and help get these people out. Nehemiah volunteered for the worst, toughest job there was. He was preparing himself for fasting and praying before he ever went before the king. Because when he heard about Jerusalem, they got some reports back how bad it was. And I want you to notice 50,000 had gone down there to build it back and failed because of the opposition. If God is with us, we will not fail. It may look like we're going to fail. It may look like everything else is failing. But God is not going to fail us in any way. What we have to do is take up the assignment and believe in God. Now, Nehemiah believed in the scripture that the people was with him. Elijah believed that he was the only one left alive to serve God. That's why he went into the wilderness. He ran away from his assignment. But then God came to him with an angel. How many times we probably don't realize when we're discouraged and disappointed and down out, a spirit angelic spirit will come to your life and bring some encouragement. How many of you ever had something to happen to you bring you encouragement when you felt like you was on your last stand? That was God looking after you with his angelic angel that he has signed to you to come and bake you a cake or give you encouragement. And Elijah went on that for 40 days. And God sent him right back where he failed. Right back in the wilderness. So don't run away from God because you're going to have to go right back where you failed. Stay with God and he will encourage you and help you in whatever you do. His prayer lasted for weeks praying about things. I read an article the other day written by this young man. He was an alcoholic. His mother was a widow. He borrowed money from her. He didn't work to support his habit. And one night out on one of his bins, he ran out of money. So he went to his mother's home and she wasn't at home. He happened to think the only other place she could be is at church. So he went to church. And the church had... No air conditioner. The windows was all up. The doors was up. And 
And he went in to get the money from his mother. And as he started in, Lord and behold, his mother was sitting on the front row. Hmm? So he went back out and sat down on the porch. And sat down there a while. And the pastor was a preaching. And all of a sudden he stopped. Said, the Lord has impressed me to read a scripture from Proverbs. And when he read that one scripture, something hit that boy. Sitting on the outside. He got up and went down that aisle, went boldly down to his mother and got her by the hand. And they both walked to the altar and knelt down and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I want you to know God never forgets your prayers. He never forgets it. He never leaves you alone. He keeps up his word, what he says. He answers prayers. The last week, I believe it is, there's been three people come up this church. One I don't think came, but wanted prayer. One morning back there, I don't remember where it was morning, a lady called Rhonda about needing a prayer for her daughter. And Rhonda said, i tell you what you do. You bring her up here right now, and we'll pray for her. We'll anoint her and pray for her. How I many you know that when you pray, God moves? Your prayers moves the hand of God. Then there was a person who came up here this last week, hadn't been to this church in a long time. Said, I got to have prayer. Regardless of how far they are from God, they still know where the place to go to touch God. How I many of you glad to know where you can go, where you can touch God? We got another phone call. This person need prayer immediately. Some of us was here, three of us, we came in this auditorium and pray, and then I heard later that person said, I tell you what, that prayer worked. Listen, God works when you pray. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah 1 starts off with weeping. The end of the book of Nehemiah ends with joy. Weeping only endures for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So when you pray, believe that God is going to answer your prayer. Nehemiah prayed, and I want to say again, Nehemiah volunteered for the assignment. He volunteered for the assignment to do what he was about to do. And he prayed. First King 19 and 10, we find out what Elijah, he thought he was the only one living for God. And Elijah said, I, God said, I got 7,000. How many of you know that you're not the only one that's going through a trial and a test? The devil will lie to you and tell you you are the only one. And I want you to know there's a lot of people going through some extreme trials and tests right now. But God has not forsaken his ones. Notice what Nehemiah did in verse 10. This is what he said. We done read it. We'll read it again. Nehemiah was confident that God would work in the heart of the king and secure for the project the official support that he needed. How many know that God will give you support when you're in God's will? It was never Moses' idea to build the tabernacle. It wasn't his idea. It was God's idea. And that's why God supported him. 
I can't pronounce the man's name, but you find this in Genesis, I mean, Exodus 31. And God told Moses, said, I have chosen Aaron's, I mean, Herod's grandson. I have filled him with my spirit. He's a craftsman in gold and silver and woodwork, and I'm going to send some other people to help you. And not only that, God sent the gold and the silver, everything they needed, and he gave Moses a picture how it be built. I'm believing today that we need to start seeing some pictures of what God wants us to do in our lives. A picture. We, if he did it for them, how I many you know he's going to do it for us? Give you a picture. It was Moses, not Moses' idea to build the tabernacle. It was God. It was not Nehemiah's idea to volunteer to go down to where 50,000 had failed and where Jerusalem had not been rebuilt that he wept so much and he cried and he prayed and he fasted. And then he prayed and he fasted that, and he asked the Lord, said, what day could I go before the king? It was sudden death if you went before the king. You find that in the book of Esther. If you didn't have profession. But the Lord told him today. You know when you get God on your side. All the enemies in this world cannot be against you. It may look like it. It may feel like everything in this world is against you. But if God is for us. Nothing can be against us. Greater is he that's in us. Than he that's in the world. Meredith graduated the other day. From her class online with honors. With honors. Taught herself. She said it was hard. It was difficult. You had nobody teaching. You had nobody. You could ask the question. But said you'd always feel like I got to go wash the dishes. I got to go make the bed. But she learned she had to stay focused. Listen, church, God wants us to stay focused on one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. He has all the power in heaven and earth. We don't need another one. All we need is Jesus Christ. I don't know how many years. She lost two years in school, right? And that made it more difficult. But she was focused. She was focused on that computer, getting her degree. And now, I mean... Several years ago when she first got sick, Peggy had a vision seeing her graduating, walking across the stage graduating. How many years ago was that, 10, 12 years ago? How many? 15. God was positioning this young girl. Things looked terrible and bad. But she's going to go to work with the people that helped, not the people that helped her, but them kind of people to work with children that had the same problem which she did. How many know that God has an assignment for your life? It may look like it's destroyed and the devil will tell you it's destroyed. The devil will tell you it's hopeless and you'll never recover. I read an article of the day and this Christian writer said, we don't believe in cursing but said there's one thing worse than coming, cursing coming out of your mouth to say the situation is hopeless in the presence of God. There's no situation that's hopeless with God. There's no situation hopeless with us if we believe in God.
So Nehemiah prayed, find out what day it would be all right to go before the king. And he went before the king. And Nehemiah cared enough to volunteer. He volunteered. I mean, he's glad today that we have an all armed forces volunteers. No draft. When I graduated from high school, or when you've turned 18, I was graduated at 17, but when you turned 18, what did you have to do? You had to sign up for the draft. That's how Brother Melvin got in the Army. He got drafted when he got 18, got out of high school. Thank God. I'm telling you, church, we got so much to be excited for and thankful for. We got men and women just volunteered for the draft and volunteered to fight for this country and to keep it alive. And we got men and women in the church that's still as strong or stronger than ever have been their faith in God and holding on to God. Nehemiah believed that he wasn't going down there by himself. Not only that, he fasted and prayed about getting letters from the king to write him a letter. When he went through all those countries that he'd get all the type of material that he needed to rebuild that city. Can you imagine going down where 50,000 has failed to build it because the opposition was so great, but he believed that God would give him favor and they give him people. How many believe that God gives you favor in every situation in your life? You have the favor of God in your life. You have the blessings of God, abundance in your life. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. The Bible said, be still and know that I am God. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do is to be still and to be patient. To be patient. I mean, you know, we're living in a changing world. I believe it was Wendy's is fixing to go full blast for outside service. A lot of these places are not opening back up. You go up to Tamales and you look on the back side of their building. What have they built? What? A drive-thru. Why? Oh, changing. Well, I hate change. You better get used to it. If you don't, you're going to have a life, rest of your life full of hate. Because there's going to be change. Something new is going to happen. I mean, he's glad for change. I tell you, you don't find too many people glad for change. This one guy went up north and, and uh, he asked this older man, said, I guess you've seen a lot of changes in your life. He said, yeah, I have, but I've been again every one of them. Brother Yoakum used to tell us, don't be against something, be for something. Don't be fighting against something, be fighting for something. So Nehemiah, he prays, and he found out for the right day to go before the king. And uh, also Nehemiah prayed. This is what he prayed. Lord, if today is the day I speak to the king about the plans that I have, I mean, know that you can go to Jesus anytime. Anytime. You don't need position because you're an heir. You're a child of God. And whatever he has, it belongs to you. If we ever get a hold of that, what he has belongs to who? It belongs to us, the wonderful things of God. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in 
heaven. This is found in 2 Chronicles 20 and 6. You rule all over the world in the kingdoms of nations. A power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Even this wicked king could not withstand what God was about to do. The Bible said all kings and priests and high men are in the hands of God like water is in a channel. You know why the mighty red keeps running on down and dumps into the Mississippi? It's got channels. And God is in control of a king's heart. He can change the king's heart for your favor. So he believed that. He believed that. Nehemiah 2, 4 and 8. Nehemiah had faith to ask. How many got faith to ask? I tell you, I want to learn to ask. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in my name, I will what? I'll give it. Whoever asketh, receives. Whoever seeks, find. Whoever knocks, it's open unto him. You have not because you ask not. We ought to raise our elevation up of asking big things. Big things. How many did ever, oh, I forgot his name, but he got a little book called Think Big and Ask Big. He's a neurosurgeon. Uh, his name just slipped my mind. But anyhow, Nehemiah asked, he asked. And when he went into the king, this is what the king said. What is it you want? You know what that means when the king said that? When Esther went in to the king, what did he say? What do you want? I'll give you up half of my kingdom. What it means here, Nehemiah, what you ask, I'll give it to you. If we would ask in faith from God, there's no limits what we could receive from God. And the king says, what do you want? What do you want? When blind Bartimaeus prayed, and everybody tried to hush him up, tried to calm him down, I want you to know when you start asking big things from Jesus, and start asking for things for him, the first thing going to attack you is evil spirits of this world. They're going to attack your mind. They're going to keep you from asking. They tried to stop blind, blind, maybe attacking. Jesus, according to the scriptures, his name is, has the same name that when he called him David, thy son of David. His name was the same thing, thy son of David. In other words, he was asking his elder brother. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? Joshua stopped the S-U-N Blind Barmatina stopped the S-O-N. And when he asked, said, what do you want me to do for you? He could have asked anything and got it. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for popularity. He didn't ask for position. All he asked for his eyes where he could see. I think one of the greatest things that we could get our eyes open to what God really has for us. They asked Helen Keller, said, what do you think the worst thing in the world? You know, she's blind and deaf and dumb. She said to have eyes and do you do not see. 
I tell you, God wants us to see what he has for us. I believe God got things for us that we cannot even imagine. I believe it would blow our mind if we could really see what God wants to do for us. Did not he say what is mine is what? Is thine. So Nehemiah asked and he got everything he asked for. But he waited on the Lord. Don't be so anxious to run in. Someone told me not too long ago, I was talking to some people, they were talking about, well, I just plead the blood of Jesus and go on in. I said, well, that, that's all right. But I said, the Bible said, food weighed in where angels fear to tread. When we have a sensitive to the Spirit, and Peggy is very sensitive to the Spirit of God. We was traveling one time, we pulled into this place to eat, and I started to cut the engine off. She said, I don't think we ought to go in here. I said, I feel an evil spirit. What did I do? I didn't plead no blood of Jesus. I put that thing in reverse. I backed out of there and got on down the road. God wants to present help in the time of need when we need him. He's speaking to us and tells us and warns us how to do things. You find that Nehemiah had faith in chapter 2 when he had faith. Nehemiah went to rebuild the temple. These people went down there, 50,000, and they never could get it rebuilt because the opposition was too strong. Just too strong. 20 years it laid it in waste. Brother Clayton, Nehemiah, with the help he had, built it back in 50 days. Oh, my church, when God is with us, he gives you success. He accelerates the favor unto us when he's with us. But if we attempt it without God, it's a sure thing we'll fail. But with God, we will succeed what God has for us. We cannot fail. Don't never think you can fail. The Bible said the righteous man falls seven times, but he does what? He gets back up like a jack in the box. He just keeps jumping back up. Glory to God. God speaks great and mighty things. He always will, maybe not always, but sometimes he'll send you to a place where there's been great failure. Everything looks impossible from the natural point. Don't look like it'll ever get over with. Don't look like this virus is going to ever get over with. But I tell you, I believe it's going to come to the end. I don't know when. But Jesus got on the boat one day in Luke 5 with Peter and John and James and them. And he said, launch out into the deep. What did Peter say? Oh, we done fished all night. We ain't caught nothing. Said so there's no need going out there. Ain't no fish out there. No fish out there. Somebody wanted me to ask Lynn Williams, would he carry them fishing? And he said, no, I ain't carrying them fishing. He said, I'll go out there to fish. If I don't catch anything, I'm there to fish. Because I'm not catching anything, I don't go home. I'm there to fish. 
said, if we're not catching anything, that guy wants to go home. He wants me to bring him back home. Now, I'm not going to bring him back home, so no, no need to take him out there. Because I'm there to what? Fish. said, sometimes I stay out there all day and don't catch nothing, but I'm still fishing. But they said, nevertheless, it would look hopeless. You know, there's things in the natural looks hopeless. Looks like there's no chance. It's hopeless. But Jesus says, cast the net on the right side. When you obey Jesus and what he's got to say, you do it right what he wants to do it. They cast that net on the right side. And the Bible said, Jesus told them to cast what? Meaning what? Four, more than one. How many nets did Peter carry? One. And that one caught so much fish when they brought it aboard the boat began to sink and I want you to watch this God has got somebody right now in the wing in assignment he's fixing a call out he had another boat over there pretty good ways off God had placed that boat there you know things just don't happen accidentally by God he had that boat over there waiting because he knew that boat was going to sink they had, and the scripture said they're sinking. And when they got that second boat over there, they put so many fish on it, it began to sink. What God is teaching them, the harvest of souls is greater than you can imagine. It's like these three people last week that needed prayer. This world is full of people that needs a miracle in their lives. They need a miracle in their soul. They need a miracle in their bodies. Some of you sitting right here today, you need a miracle in your body. You need a miracle. God had that boat out there for a purpose. Some people say, well, the church is not ready for a revival. We ain't got enough people. He's got the people waiting. Some of you are just waiting. You step into your assignment. What a blessing that we have today. Knowing our eyes with our salve and see what wonderful blessing is all around us. Wonderful blessings. The Bible said in Acts the church was multiplying in verse 7. It was really multiplying Acts 6. And they needed help. God already had men there ready, full of the Holy Ghost full of faith and full of power they chose seven of them to help and when they did that the next scripture said and the church began to multiply increase greatly because they had more helpers to help to bring in the harvest there's going to be a harvest there's going to be one right here amen some of you look at empty pews and said well I'm looking at them full I'm looking where you squashed in here. The mighty things of God. Nothing's impossible with God. Look what Nehemiah did with a few men. He went down there. A sword in one hand and a trial in the other. And the enemy wanted to talk to him. Let, let me say this. Don't never carry on a conversation with your enemy. Don't, don't carry on no conversation with him. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And be like Jesus. He has no part in me. In other words, I'm not going to listen to one word. 
I'm doing my best and I've committed myself to God. If you catch me doing it, I want you to tell me to never unprompted word come out of my mouth. God told Joshua, he said, if you'll speak the word, your way will be prosperous. God wants us to be prosperous in everything we do. So let's commit ourselves, volunteer ourselves. I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm going to say things that's upbuilding, that builds up and encourage. I like what Brother Ken says, and I've been trying to practice that. I don't go to places much. When I go to the store, I've been going more lately because Peggy hasn't been able to. Yet everybody I see, and I'd say hi. Some of them will turn and look at you. You can say hi again. Amen. How many of you, there's opportunity all around you? Come on now, there's opportunity everywhere you go. You go at Walmart. People say, well, I don't go nowhere. I don't know how you get your groceries. I guess you're getting them, calling them in. But that's a wonderful place to go. You can get to say hi. Sometimes, glory to God. I'm not a, much of a conversation like Peggy and especially Gina. <laughs> Talk about her while she's not here, but anyhow. But I died at the funeral home the night. I got to talking to a young man I'd never seen before and didn't know before. And I introduced myself and he introduced himself. And he said, my granddaddy was Tex Kilgore. I said, I knew him. He grew up at Greens Farm. He said, yes, that's where I'm from. It's amazing what you do when you start talking to people and God begins to open gates. And they may never come to churches. That's not the point. It's the point is you bring an encouragement to people. You're helping people feel better and rejoicing in the things of God. When God is with us, we will always be successful. We will be successful in our spiritual life and our life with God. God bless you for being here tonight or this morning and the wonderful things of God. And you ought to rejoice about you being here in America. The King James Bible is still the number one bestseller. You hear books. It's been on the best-selling list for, someone told me the other day, one that was been on there six years. And I think that in a blessed life, uh, Rick Warren has been on the best-selling list for 25 years. But he hadn't been on there for no 400 years. This King James Bible is powerful. It's life. It's uplifting. It's encouragement. It gives us anything in this world we need you can get from that Bible. It's in there. The wonderful blessings of God. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your love and mercy toward us. We thank you for the revival that's taking place. We thank you for the good things and the blessings of God. We thank you for the outpouring of the Spirit upon us today. And the angels of the Lord will go with each and every one of us where we go and keep us in the ways that you'd have us to go and help us to fulfill our assignment while here on this earth. Even though we may not understand it at times, just help us to keep walking, knowing that we're just passing through this life in Jesus' name, we give you praise for looking after him. Amen.